Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hello, welcome everyone to the distraction here on Fightful.com. I am Jeremy Lambert, joined most of the time, almost as always, by the big hole, Joseph Holbert. Joe, how are you? Wow, where did that come from? That was that was impressive. I don't know. Um, I, it was I was thinking the big dog, but I mean that's Roman's gimmick, and I just saw your name oh. on my screen, and so I was just like the big hole. I thought it was a big swole gimmick. Sorry, oh, oh, all right. di- different lines, different lines. <laughs> same destination. Um, One of us I'm is wearing good. sunglasses here today. Yes, we have wrestling topics today, don't we, Jeremy? We do. It's incredible. So many topics. The summer fest was a hit. I'm ready to dive into it. A big dog is back. He's chewing on his bone. I'm excited. The big horse, according to, to Randy Orton, with his new teeth. Yes. Very controversial. <laughs> Strong. The Randy Orton is a very he's a very fearsome competitor in the Instagram battles. Wouldn't you agree? He very is. Tough. I, I love uh, social media, Randall Orton. He's amazing. Yeah. It's great. He's like one of those guys that, you know, the, t- the constant take of like social media ruined wrestling? Sometimes you have to look at Randy Orton's Instagram and be like, maybe it made it better. I don't know. <laughs> maybe Randy's showing where we're going to get to. Eventually, it'll be much better, I think. I don't know. Though. Anyway. I, I yes. think if you use it like Randy Orton, it does make it better. The problem yes. is so few people use it like Randy Orton. They just yes. they just go on there, uh, and they're just like gotten to. I guess that's the term. I actually had someone DM me the other the other day, and he was like, if I ever get gotten to, on Twitter and start taking this serious, I will give you my password and just don't let me log on anymore. Is that Keith Lee? Keith Lee, yes, Keith Lee, one hundred percent. It was Gargano, uh, Gargano after yes. the. Uh, that's. I don't think that episode has aired yet of the TEW series where I mentioned Gargano slid into my DMs and we we talked about a headline that I wrote. Wow, that is an ancient <laughs> memory in my mind. But yes, that will be coming soon. That, that was our that was our SummerSlam finale one. That's the last oh, episode of the TEW series. Still keeps me up at night just thinking about that <laughs> SummerSlam. Part. Felt like we were building to it for years. Much like this one did, actually, that just took place, right? Long build. I Okay, here's a hot take, Jeremy. I think real-life SummerSlam was actually better than our Time Machine SummerSlam, which is quite sad. Um, yes, 
only because our time machine SummerSlam got screwed over by the rating system in the game. It, our time machine SummerSlam was fantastic. Like that was a great card, top to bottom, with a lot of. Uh, I mean, we had a death on the show. Uh, unfortunately, the the game didn't rate it too highly because the algorithms, as Xavier Woods likes to say, uh, were are busted and broken. Yes, I wonder if Bruce Pritchard has a similar like excuse for Bram Braun. He's like, it's supposed to be better, but like you know, Brady coming in the shape we wanted, Braun shaved his head, confidence was low, it was tough. Okay, we expected more. Bruce puts all these uh, segments into TEW. He gets A Bray on all of them. <laughs> Just rates Bray and Braun on entertainment. It's always an A segment. And then he books the match. It turns out to be like a B plus, A minus match because both guys are over in that universe. And, he does, you know, it doesn't do it too long. And then they actually books it and it's just like nothing. And Bray's like, I, and Bruce is like, I don't know what happened. It was a, it was a B plus on TEW. What's going on here? <laughs> He's showing screenshots to Vince <laughs> and stuff. Like, here he is. I'm not lying to you. <laughs> uh, guys, leave a thumbs up on the, the video. Use the hashtag, the distraction, to uh, join the conversation. Let's get into it, Joe. Five minutes on the clock. It's Thursday. We talk wrestling most times. Um, Roman Reigns returned at SummerSlam. You never saw it coming. I broke this news, by the way. I don't know if anybody knows that. I broke this news. Wasn't wasn't Dave, wasn't Mike Johnson, wasn't Sean McCarthy, Gary Cassidy. Who else breaks news? I don't know. Uh, Keller? Wade Keller. Yeah, yeah, Wade Keller. Uh, whoever, whoever else, whoever you go to for your scoops, I don't know who it is. They didn't break this one, though. It was me. As I, I tweeted that out, I, I made Reddit. Reddit was like, oh, my God, he's got all the scoops here. I'm Reddit scoops are now. Roman Reigns returns, at, as first reported by Jeremy Lambert of The Distraction, Joe, what did you make of Roman's return? Um, well, firstly, I'm slightly taken aback by your claims, uh, but I will <laughs> co-sign them for now until they're exposed otherwise. It was very exciting to see Roman. The match itself was not the perfect sort of lead-in to a hot angle because by, by the time that match ended, I was very much like, I disagree. Okay, well, you can explain that in a minute, but on my part here, at three in the morning, as Bray pinned Braun <laughs> via like, eight Sister Abigails onto wood... I was like, sure, man. Like, I need to go to bed. It's done. I need to sleep. And then Roman was there. I was excited to see Roman. It was super cool. I have... Here's the thing. My excitement here is somewhat capped because if you said to me, who are two people you'd rather Roman not wrestle for months and months, I would say Braun and Bray would be my, my first bit. And he's going to probably wrestle them for many months. We'll get into that where it's going. But SmackDown has missed Roman. WWE has missed Roman. Um, and it's great to have him back. I mean, is it... You know, going to be the matches I want immediately? No, but we're closer to getting them, right? And that's all you can do. It's great to have him back. I thought it worked for him coming back because you watch that Bray and Braun match and you're like, wow, this kind of not great. <laughs> like, this this is what we got to put up with for another month. And then Roman yeah. comes back and you're like, oh, okay, we got something good now. Something Something's actually cooking now. So I think if they would have had, like, a good match or something, you know, it might have lessened Roman's impact. You're like, well, why do you need Roman? We just had this this killer match between the the shaved bald guy and the clown. Like, this, this is great. We don't need Roman here. But because it wasn't good, it's like, oh, yeah, we definitely need Roman for this. Yeah, and in fairness, he's like dialogue played into that too, right? Where he was like, Roman you're just a shoot. clown. Yeah, he was he was breaking fave, brother. <laughs> and um, Heyman must still have the book. No, but he, <laughs> I honestly think this sets up one of the more interesting WWE main events from a booking perspective, okay? Yes. In I can recall, because 
this is genuinely interesting to me. Do you go straight with Roman? Have we had enough start-stop? Do you just commit, change direction, fresh start, Roman and some cool challenges? Or is this the start of a eight-month chase in which Roman eventually beats the clown? Where are you at right now, Jeremy? Um, I ju- actually just did the prediction show for Payback with Sean. And I said the way I would do it is double spear, 30 seconds, pin them both. Like, I don't care. Just just pin both guys. Uh, the way I think they're going to do it is The Fiend wins and they do an actual, like, Bray and Roman feud. I, I think that's the way it's going to go. That's not the way I would do it, though. So, Braun is getting pinned here, right? Yes. Regardless yeah. of... Braun's taking the fall no matter what happens, I would assume. I mean, you could, you could definitely have Roman pin Braun. Here's the thing. By doing the title switch at SummerSlam you do open yourself up for, like, that toxic reaction to Roman. And it's through no fault of Roman, as always has been the case for <laughs> the last six years. However, putting the belt on a guy that the fans like, who once lost the belt to Goldberg, which set up a podcast in which we laughed for an hour while Sean got very bad, <laughs> doing that, only take on... That just fuels the Roman hate. And generally, I wouldn't discuss that kind of thing on a podcast as professional as this. But with Roman, it is part of his narrative, isn't it? Like, it's a central part of the Roman story is the way the fans react. So that concerns me. I wonder if we're going to get... Um, if they're going to use Alexa as an out of this match. I wonder if they're going to do something with Alexa to get keep the belt on Bray, move Roman with Braun for a while, and eventually circle back. That's one kind of uh, theory, I guess. But... I must admit, as a fan, just talking about any kind of objective decision-making or planning, I would just say, yeah, get a bit on Roman and have AJ wrestling. But that's what I would like to see, right? But whether they do that is the the real interesting matter to me. The Alexa angle is interesting because it looked like that's where they were headed going into SummerSlam. Like, I thought Alexa was going to come out during that match and, you know, do whatever she was going to do. And she obviously wasn't there. She's been making a tweets and snapchats going to hollywood as joseph first reported a couple weeks ago uh she's going to hollywood and now i don't know where she fits in in this angle because she has nothing yeah it doesn't seem like she does either uh she has nothing to do with roman and it, it feels weird to just insert her in the middle of what should be roman's victorious comeback and you yeah. know, these march to the title and like, oh yeah, here's Alexa still kind of in this love triangle type deal with Bray and Braun. I mean, you could do something where um, Alexa is mad at Roman for stopping the match and he's confused by this because they both beat her up effectively, right? And he's <laughs> like, what do you care? And she, in her mind, it's like the match had to reach... But the match did end, didn't it? Yeah, the match was over. Yeah, I don't know what you do. <laughs> hmm. I, I was think, thinking you could do the deal of like let it reach its own conclusion, but it did reach its own conclusion, and then Roman just beat them both up. I think the the, I'm, maybe they have something else. It'll play out in a unique manner, I'm sure. Um, but the way the way that the way I see it going is like Alexa does get involved on Sunday, and Roman just beats one of them, and then Bray, Braun, and Alexa can keep feuding. And then you just move on Roman to, like you said, like AJ Styles or something. Like, I think that's the yeah. best case scenario here. I- I'm worried that that's... You You mentioned that, oh, Roman feuds with Braun and Bray just does something. Like, 
I could see Bray and Alexa just doing like Bray. Look, Bray's been a hell of a worker during the empty arena era. Really, ever since he became the feed, he wrestles like yeah. two matches uh, every every uh, couple of months, and otherwise just you know does his little backstage gimmick and stuff. It would be more peak Peyote Bray if he is just doing segments as the champion with Alexa yes. Bliss while Roman and Braun just do a program. It would be admirable if Bray found a way to cut the workload even in Funhouse segments <laughs> yeah. for Alexa. That would be something. Um, look, good for him. I, as a fan, I would much... See, here's, my, here's where I'm torn here, Jeremy. You can help me. So, I, as a fan, I would like the big dog to be champion and to have cool matches with AJ Styles, who is now, you could easily move AJ away from the IC title, right? Like, you could easily just do one of those title losses none of us remember, and just forget about it, move on. <laughs> Easy. Um, so, I want that, but at the same time, like, the idea of just doing Nikki and Alexa solo and never bringing it back to Bray is almost like, that's real. This is one of those deals where, objectively, Roman is the right decision. You have to do the Roman return over some dumb angle. Like, you have to. I'm sorry, you just do but at the same time, it's another example of, like, if you actually watch the weekly shows, what was it for? Yeah. Like, you, you've got me interested somewhat in this story and just said, wasn't actually worth your time. I'm sorry. Like, you've got to go back to it now, right? You can't just do Nikki and Alexa and expect me to care, I don't think. You've got to pay off this stuff. I mean, this is yes. why people, this is why so many WWE fans have become just not WWE fans or not wrestling fans, and why so many people who do still watch just always always question you know what happens immediately because they drop so many angles yeah it's like all right why are we going to get invested in this if it's just going to be dropped you know hopefully it leads to something you get the the WWE fans are like let it play out let it play out and it's like they drop so much that there's no reason to let it play out like that's why there's no reason to get invested into this stuff because either they won't pay it off in a good way or they'll just completely drop it and act like none of it mattered. And like this is a big angle. This was your part of your world title program. It, it feels very disingenuous to the audience. And again, it's a reason why so many people are turning out if you're just going to drop it like it never happened after investing this much time and this many weeks into it. Yeah, I would agree. And it also was a big part of like the pre-match video. So it's not. I don't think they're dropping it as much as they may just move it in a direction that doesn't pay off in a fulfilling manner. Does that make sense? Like, they'll just sort of side it a little bit. Um, yeah, as far as Roman, I, there was some interesting conversations about this. Who, give me some names of guys that you want to see him face that are fresh. Because I must admit, I found this task to be quite hard. Because I, a lot of the really great in-ring guys that are in the middle, they've kind of lost me as far as momentum. Like, I look at, I remember Roman having a great match with Buddy Murphy. He's just a disciple now. Ali is aimless. Gable is Shawy G, enough said. <laughs> um, Ricochet and Cedric, like they're doing their... Apollo's getting there. Who are the fresh heels, though, that you can get like, You can get a nice new program out for Roman? That was the thing I was kind of pondering. Uh, so there's Riddle. I, I mean, I'm, stick, I'm trying to stick to just SmackDown here. I know they have the, the draft at some point this year, yeah. maybe October. But sticking to just SmackDown for right now. There's Riddle. I know he's not a heel, but it's still a fresh match. There, there's AJ. They've wrestled, but that was years ago. And those matches were great. I agree. Yeah, those yeah. matches were great, too. So, um, I, like, who else? Like, Corbin's not fresh at all. Yeah. I, I don't know who, like, who are the top heel? Sheamus? I, like, that's 
fresh and that like it happened a while ago, but it happened so often that it doesn't it doesn't feel fresh at all. Um, yeah, Shorty G would be good, but uh, Brian, but Brian's away right now. Gulak would be fun. I think Gulak mm-hmm. would be a fun match. Um, I had a name and then it completely escaped me, which is you know something that will, will happen. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> So there's not like there's there's not like a ton ton out there for him. This is the thing they they don't build anybody, Joe. Like they they just yeah. they just don't like Miz and Morrison are like oh no. here here's the name yeah I know here, here's the name I was thinking of and I was thinking of heels and that's why it didn't come to me Big E like I would love just a Big E yeah. Roman program and if they're gonna yeah. be serious about this Big E singles push we should get it at some point. Unfortunately, I don't think this Big E singles push is really working. So do you think they're doing Roman? Roman is still a babyface, right? I think he's just Roman. Like, I I guess technically, yes, a babyface. But I think it is one of those, like, shades of gray thing. Okay, just circling back to what you said, Big E as a singles. Are you not in on the creative or are you see it like do you feel there's a disconnect in the performance? Where oh, you it's the creative, 100%. Oh, right. Like, okay. I, I love Big E. The problem is, I mean, what's he done? in these you you know kofi said he'll be out for at least six weeks six weeks is next week like what have they done with big e you know what have they done with big e to make you believe that oh yeah this is next singles breakout star he's going he's working from underneath against miz and morrison he's he needs distraction finishes he's getting taken out by sheamus he's just there's nothing they haven't like really rocketed him at all they haven't really done anything he's just working he's just a regular guy in the mid card that that's what he is and like cool but if you want me to get invested into this biggie's singles run i need more than just a guy you're gonna have work from underneath the entire time and then need distraction finishes to win and stuff it's felt almost more like a like an internal trial for him like where they're testing what they think he's like in like a longer singles match because the I remember that Miz match. That was like a, a real match. I remember thinking he was just going to kill him, and it was like, yeah. my God, they're resting 15 minutes. Full speed. I don't know if they're just testing what they have there. Uh, if so, that's a little bit kind of disappointing. But It's not like he's been in the company for a decade or anything. Right, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I'm with you. A lot of people are super optimistic about it, and I'm with that. I support being optimistic. However, it does seem a little bit early to be like just assuming they have these major plans for him. Yeah. Because as you said, like Kofi said, he'll be back soon. So, no, I'm with you. I mean, it would have made sense to put the IC title on him and then Kofi comes back and he's like, keep going with it, you know? But, something like that, I don't know. Um, the concern is that Kofi comes back and it's just like, okay, Shinsuke and Cesaro. Yeah, they're you know? tag guys again. Like, I'm... Yeah. They, they don't have a tag division on SmackDown. Shinsuke and Cesaro are wrestling the Lucha House Party, and they already beat them, and now it looks like the Lucha House Party is going to break up. Kalisto's in line for that singles run, the way he was looking. He's jacked. Oh, man. Um, Incredible. He's finally ready to be the next Rey Mysterio, as he was supposed <laughs> to be 19 years ago, according to every website in wrestling. Amazing feat. Good for him. Uh, yeah. I'm Look, I'm in on the Big E singles run. I think it's a great idea. The problem is they just... I haven't done anything with it to where yeah. I'm like, yeah, this is like, this is working. So Roman's back though. We'll see what he does on a uh, SmackDown. I guess they're doing a contract signing to boy. What a contract signing. That'll be wow. 
Braun well, the Clown and, and Roman <laughs> signing a what? contract. How do you think how do you think Bray is gonna sign this contract, by the way? You think like he's gotta hold his hand like sign, don't sign? Like what what do you think happens here? Look, I don't know. I, I don't know why you put a contract sign with these three guys, but here we are. I guess you need to advertise saying, and it isn't enough to say Roman Reigns is back, the biggest star in the company. I don't know. What do I know? Um, but yes, Roman Reigns is back, and that is good. I'm sorry for Roman Reigns fans if they've waited four months for a topic about him, and I spent the whole thing talking about Alexa Bliss and Big E. I apologize. <laughs> hey, look, I have my flaws. The distraction, well, folks. Very good. I love Roman. That's the distraction. Uh, elsewhere on SummerSlam, we had other matches. What was your favorite match from SummerSlam? Um, this is a time for me to just step back and take a defeat, isn't it? It was Dominic Mysterio. <laughs> I told you. I told you to write the Dominic feature, you coward. Yes. And you didn't do it. And now Dominic had the best match on the show, according to you. You should apologize to me and, and we can maybe move on. But I at least want an apology. I do apologize to you Thank and everyone. You. Thank you. Hands on the table here. I have to say this, Jeremy. <laughs> I'm very critical of the Monday Night Messiah. Not because I don't think he's excellent at professional wrestling. I just, those gimmicks, are, they're too much for me, okay? They're too much WWE production presentation. It's a bit much. However, I would argue that SummerSlam 2020 against the young king that is Dominic Mysterio is one of the best performances of Seth Rollins' whole career. He was showy and theatrical without making me cringe or embarrassed. He was, like, perfect. He was on point. Obviously, athletically and physically, he's always great. But I just thought he nailed it as a character without, like, overstepping. The Rey Mysterio was remarkable in this match because he was tasked with selling the agony of his son while having a mask on and one of his eyes covered. <laughs> and I felt so sorry for him. Bless him. All he could do was just put his hands on his mask. That's all he could do. And I, every time I reacted, Dominic looked great. Um, they did a legit good job again, like an actual personal conflict. And they did it in the match rather well. I genuinely loved that match. Um, very dramatic in a good way. Then I would say my second favourite is probably Randy and Drew. For obvious reasons, it could have been awful. And I would have said it, I liked it. That's the where I'm at here. But I thought it was a really good like throwback traditional world title match you know and i like the finish i know it wasn't for everyone where you at on it i liked randy and drew i think my favorite match was either it was dominic and seth or uh bailey and oscar and i've seen a lot of you know talk of oh what was the best oscar match i preferred the bailey one it seems like i'm in the minority on that one you know what can you do uh but the the drew and, and randy match i thought it was great because it was something different and you know people people didn't like the finish they're like oh it was out of nowhere like yeah so like so what like i don't need these these world title matches that are 20 finisher kickouts and like orton has said many times like he hates that stuff so i don't i don't need that stuff like yeah give me just oh we fooled him on a backslide he's going for the rko nope backslide got him caught him off guard got the victory awesome fantastic i love that overall like this is a great show. I, I don't think there was one match where I was like, yeah, this sucked. Like, skip this. I mean, maybe Apollo and MVP, but that wasn't, like, inoffensive yeah. or anything. And it was pre-show, right? Yeah. Like, it's always, it's different, isn't it? Yeah, I agree with it. Yeah, I, I, um, I'm with you. I have a hot take on this. I think Bailey and Asuka have, like, better chemistry by, like, a distance than Banks and Asuka do. And I don't know if bad finishes have ruined. Like, I think Bailey and Asuka fit perfectly together. 
Whereas I find a lot of times, like, Sasha and Asuka have great matches because they're both great wrestlers, but they don't seem to gel the same way to me. Is this just hot takery from a man who wants to be hated on Twitter? Or, like, is there... Do you agree with me? Like, I actually prefer their matches. The pacing, I think, is a lot smoother. I like them more. No, I, as I said, I like the Asuka and Bailey match more than the Asuka and Sasha match. Yeah. The, What's weird is like there have been so many Asuka and Bailey matches that a lot of them just run together. And mm-hmm. the Asuka and Sasha match from Extreme Rules was fantastic until the terrible finish. And I feel like that's better than any Asuka and Bailey match up until SummerSlam. Um, but I have a hard time remembering the Asuka and Bailey matches one by one because it just feels like they've done it 300 times. And I can't tell you which one like actually stands out from the other. The raw one from a few weeks ago was like actively remarkable, but unfortunately they run it back so quick that it's like yeah they didn't even have time to recap it on their own show. You know, like it's just it gets lost. And that, in all fairness, while that is a critique of their creative in some ways, like it is kind of just the reality of their situation, right? They're doing so much stuff everywhere; it just gets lost sometimes in translation. Um, some you're right though. Summer Sounds a very good show. The main event was like you know it was where it was. It's, it's always going to be capped somewhat because of those two guys and what they can do. But um, the Randy Drew thing, this is what I was going to go to. So you were talking about the finish. I get that people find it like underwhelming and flat now, but you kind of have to like retrain your audience, right? By doing that finish, anytime Drew goes for like a backslide or anything like that in future, it has to be taken as an audience member. You have to take it with a certain amount of credibility. It's like the way Brett got over the victory roll way back when, right? Anytime he was up on the guy's shoulders, it was like, oh, this is the finish. It's a tool you can use moving forward. If you never win any matches of anything but the Claymore or the RKO, I will not react to any false finishes but those two, right? Like, it's... You have to get across again and establish the audience. Some of these matches can end with a roll-up. You're not going to do that with the Clown and the Bald Man. You have to do that with the Drew and the Randall. And I thought they did a remarkable job. I'm with you, though. There was nothing on here that was like... And, miss. and it was also, I have to credit him for this, because I know last week we were kind of like, who cares? The Thunderdome, I thought, made that show a lot easier to watch. It, it felt a lot more like a WWE pay-per-view to me. And as someone that really doesn't often care about like, aesthetics and stuff, it did actually help. Raw, it seemed like they did some weird stuff on the production front. I didn't like it as much, but the pay-per-view, I thought it was a great fit. I enjoyed it very much. The Thunderdome, the pay-per-view version, I thought was fine. Like, it didn't take... I honestly didn't notice it. Like, it just felt like a WWE show, yeah. which which is a compliment. It's not, you know, I would rather not notice something like that than it just catch my attention and distract me the entire time. Raw was the opposite of where, I think I told you this off-air on Tuesday, of like, it just felt like everyone was getting booed. Like, it just felt like white noise bad. the entire time. Like, it was the, I don't know what they did with the audio, but whatever, it worked at SummerSlam, and then... They decided to screw with it for Raw, and it sounded terrible, and it was distracting. Uh, but the Thunderdome certainly worked there. Your point about Drew and the roll-ups, this is what AEW did with, with Scorpio Sky on his mm-hmm. initial run. He kept using the, the inside cradle, the small package. And like he would, he won, I think they won the tag team titles with that. And then he won a couple, he beat Jericho with it on one Jericho, match. Like, yeah. He used it. And then, of course, when they actually got to like the world title match, they never went to it. And that was a big criticism I had at that time. Like he beat like three people with his inside cradle to get it over. And then he gets the world title match against Jericho. You, you would think he would use the inside cradle big pop for that. It's a great false finish. And then they just never went with it. And and I hated that. 
But yeah, you can do these finishes, just establish them and, and make them mean something. And then when you go back to them, it, it can be a great false finish instead of, oh yeah, Claymore, kick out, RKO, kick out. And I, you could, this is one time I will credit WWE and their layout because they do this so often of like, oh, let's do a DQ finish in this match. And then the next match we'll do pretty much the exact same finish. And like, it's just yeah. the same finish throughout the card. Like, I think a lot of people were expecting the typical 5 million kickouts um, in, in Randy and Drew. Like, it was a good thing they didn't do that because the next match was you have a guy who doesn't sell anything. And then you have Braun Strowman as well, who was always kicking out of stuff. Like, you don't want to do back-to-back 500 kickout finish matches. It, it's yes. it's not good. It's not a good layout. No, 100%. And on that point, it's like when a wrestler will, like, change presentation Bailey does this. She now uses Bailey to Bailey as like a false finish, right? Because she has her new finish. She sometimes uses it too much, but it is an example of like, we remember this stuff. Like you can use it. Some, not everyone maybe, but the audience you're working to often will pay enough attention that they'll have those callbacks to when you've pinned people with those moves. It's, it's smart, definitely. And what it does is it adds a third element to their eventual rematch, which I, you know, I'm certain we're going to get to at some point after we've done Raw. So you've now got, he's never hit the claim or he's never hit the RKO in a match. They've also got this counter where he rolled him up. It's just neat stuff. I liked it a lot. And hopefully they do go back to it. I mean, that, that'll that be the thing. If they never go back yeah. to it again, then we can look back and be like, well, they just didn't want to do an RKO Claymore yes. finish. But if they do go back to it, then then good on them. Uh, I mean, you mentioned we're, we should get the, the rematch down the line. Before we get to that, though, we've got... Randy Orton against Keith Lee this Sunday at Payback. There's another pay-per-view, Joseph. I don't know if you know this. They're they're running back-to-back pay-per-views. We've got Randy Orton against Keith Lee. Keith Lee came up, was called up on Raw. It was already advertised, so it wasn't a big shock or anything. New music, new gear. He faced Randy Orton, ended in a disqualification. They're doing the rematch on Sunday. Keith Lee lost the uh, NXT title to Karrion Cross on Saturday. It's been a week. For Keith Lee. I don't know if it's been a good week, but it's been a yeah. week for Keith Lee. This is very much like double-edged sword stuff, right? Where it's like the optimist would say, hey, look at where Keith Lee is on the card. Randy's the top heel probably in the company. Thumbs up. Like they're putting him where you want him to be. The other side is, what's your finish here? Is the best case scenario is that Drew helps Keith Lee win. Is that good? Like, do you want Keith Lee to be getting like handout wins? I don't know. Probably not. Do you want him being like the backdrop to an actual feud like he was on Monday. Definitely not, I would say. And then obviously the worst case is Randy just pins him and it's like, oh, I, I don't know. This is this is very uh, dangerous territory to me. I will say, like I'd heard so much about the Keith Lee stuff and you kind of, it was alarming what I'd read. I didn't think he looked, I thought the look was fine. I've got to say, it didn't affect me. The music seems like a perplexing choice, but that's sort of, coming out now what's going on there so i don't have a problem with any of that stuff i just think they need to um with the i know that nxt is like similar to how the main roster works with scripting but it seems like when these guys come up it's, it feels like it's a whole lot tighter do you not agree like when riddle started cutting promos he was like a robot and then keith lee's in ring i just thought he looked um he looked like a guy trying to remember his lines effectively the match showed why they're high on him, obviously. I didn't think the presentation changes were, like, terrible, other than the music thing, which just sucks for all involved, right? It's just a lame change. But um, 
the match is certainly interesting as far as which way to go. Very, it's concerning in some ways, but it's exciting too. I, I thought it was a rough week for Keith Lee, yeah. honestly. Saturday, that match against Karrion Cross didn't do him any favors. He mm-hmm. he didn't look great in that match. I don't really think it was his fault. I think a lot of it had to do with the layout, and then Cross suffered a shoulder injury, so I don't know how much that changed things, but he didn't look good in that. And then he, he was the double champion like a month ago. And then he just... Now, now he doesn't have either title. It's like, okay, he goes to Raw, cool, fresh coat of paint, as uh, Paul likes to say. And the the immediate presentation was bad because his music is gone. Yeah, that look, that's not his fault. Uh, that's a, you know apparently a, yeah. a licensing issue with CFO Money Sign. So I mean, what can you do there? But then even like the gear, I didn't think it was like terrible. The the skirt thing, it it looked a little weird. But you know when you're used to seeing this guy wrestle in one certain gear and you like him and that stuff, just the aesthetic change is going to be, it's going to be different. Um, and like we we see the shorty G where it's kind of like the same nonsense, the baggy shorts and the, the tight top and stuff. Then that's, I saw people, you know, comparing him to that, like oversized G oversized Lee or something like that uh, is what people were calling him. Um, so I get why people would be upset at that. You're right about the booking. Of this match i thought if you're gonna do keith lee against randy orton just have keith lee win just make him look good make him look like an ass kicker establish him immediately randy's not losing anything randy can take a loss it's fine yeah. he's not losing anything in this regard and you can still do the title program because he can just kick drew mcintyre in the head like he like he did already and he can have a fractured skull and drew can be like all right you know, wins and losses don't matter in WWE anyway. So Drew can just be like, all right, I beat you at SummerSlam. You can call it a fluke, whatever. You lost to Keith Lee. You can call that a fluke, whatever. I'm pissed off that you fractured my skull. And now, you know, I want another, like, I want revenge for that. And so you could still do the match. You've established that wins and losses don't really matter. Just make Keith Lee. This Sunday, if they're going to continue with Orton and, and McIntyre, like, I feel like you could still do that same thing, but... Knowing WWE, you're probably right in that like Orton's just either gonna win, so that way they don't have him lose before this match, or Drew McIntyre is gonna run in and cost Orton, and like what does that really do for Keith Lee? Yeah. Like it just makes him, it gives him kind of a cheap victory, and like you said, it makes him the backdrop in this feud. I mean, it depends where, it partly depends where you're going, right? Because if and I'm giving him maybe a little bit too much credit, but this is what I'm thinking. Probably. Is, if they know the belt is headed to Orton, like if they intend to put it on him eventually, then having Keith win here by any means could set him up for that eventual title program. Yes. Does that make sense? And in fairness, they have, um, in the last few months, they have done a pretty good job of like things that I had forgotten. Like for example, the Jeff Hardy thing. When he came out and was like, you won a tournament I couldn't be in, I was like, a tournament? When was this tournament? What? what happened? <laughs> Like they have done a decent enough job. So maybe that's what's going to happen. This is one of those deals where it's too hard. I don't want to judge it too heavily until I see it. Um, but it is definitely one of those ones where it's like, man, did you have to book yourself in that corner? Because I, I agree with you generally as a principle, just smash Keith over and have him win. But this doesn't really feel like the time to beat Randy either. So like, I'm, I don't even think you should have booked the match, to be yeah. honest. The, so um, this, is, this is my issue is you don't have to do him against Randy Orton. Exactly. Why couldn't, right, why couldn't yeah. Keith Lee step up to Seth Rollins? 
Like, do we really need more Rollins Mysterio stuff? Like, th this feud has been going on. I mean, according to Seth Rollins, because he called out uh, Ray and Dominic after Survivor Series, it's almost been going on a full yeah. year now. Like, we don't need to do that anymore. Just put Keith Lee in that position. I agree. It seems like something where it's um, it's like a short-term play, right? So like, this will be exciting for payback. We don't need Drew to wrestle. Let's do something like this. But it, it just you wonder what impact it'll have. We need to see what they do, obviously. But let it play out. Right now, sitting here, it's difficult for me to think of an outcome where I'm like, yes, that is good for all involved. Because while I agree with you, Randy isn't hurt by losing. It still is kind of dumb, right? Like, yes, Drew. We protected Randy to make it more important like, in the rematch, which one will get pinned clean, maybe. And then if you just pin him clean, it's like, oh, you don't want Keith Lee doing a roll-up, right? So, I don't know. I What I will say is, um, if the powers that be, so to speak, believe Keith Lee has more chance of being a top star wearing that top and shorts, Muay Thai-style shorts, <laughs> if they believe that, then this is the time to do it, I guess, right? Because... NXT, there is still new eyeballs on him here. Um, I am a little bit perplexed as to what the reasoning for even that, that mindset is. But one thing we always have to remember with this stuff is, like, we know what he looks like, right? Like, we've seen him wrestle for so long. We know what that look is. They are probably thinking for the audience that doesn't. I still care about Keith Lee regardless of what he wears. The person that doesn't know anything about him, maybe it is more appealing to them that he wears a top. I don't know, dude. I have no clue. <laughs> But it is important to remember that like, those of us that are super mad about that part of it, like, we're mad because we know what he normally looks like. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. we're working off a norm here. The music stuff, he just sucks. That's a license. That's an issue. You know, that's, that's a shame. Um, I'm not... Here's the deal with this. I don't want to be a play out guy because a lot of NXT call-ups have just been wasted. My positive is, by going so high up the card, I would almost rather Keith Lee do that and lose then do the thing they do of six months of squash matches until we get bored of that and turn him heel. Like, that is... The, <laughs> the, the Alice to Black is the worst. Where you just float around aimlessly, and it's like, we haven't got anywhere to fit him in, so he's just going to keep winning. I'd rather he be at the top of the card and go 50-50. I really would. So, we'll see what they do. I hope the match is very good, at least, because I think it should. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. You think this is where retribution comes in? Because they were not part of SummerSlam. Uh -huh. They just, they, they yeah. weren't there. I guess they got better security for SummerSlam. What did they do on Raw? They attacked uh, the Mysterios. Oh, yeah, of course. Of course. <laughs> it. Um, that would make sense, maybe. I don't know, them not being at SummerSlam, it's like, 
I'm not going to complain about it because I like SummerSlam. They had a video they're... package, even though right. they're this rebel group. <laughs> the, re- the retribution <laughs> stuff sucks, and I like SummerSlam, so I'm not going to complain. But it is insanely dumb that like these this rebellious group didn't target the second biggest event of the year. And the biggest why? party of the summer. And the biggest party of the summer, yes. It must have been really good security that night. I don't know. <laughs> The, but, but this um, is this is the thing we just talked about of they do these angles and then they just like drop them or don't follow up on certain things like yeah. if you're gonna put over that this is this rebellious group that's tearing down the company from the inside or whatever where were they for SummerSlam? at least lie to me and say like we've got extra tight security you know do right. do something of why you know roman's back you know maybe roman's the leader and that's why they weren't there because Roman called them off that night. That could be fun, though, right? But do we are we in on this idea that like we said the Alexa idea? What if Roman actually wins this Sunday's match because he is the leader of Retribution? Like, is that good or is that bad? I don't know. I think it's fine. I mean, look, I'm happy to have Roman back. I mean, that I think that would pretty much make him a heel. I think yeah. it would actually be great because he probably cut a great promo explaining like why he did it and everything mm-hmm. and then we would be like oh okay well this angle is actually good now because roman's involved with it yeah because at this point like having an actual star in the middle of it would help it so much yes like i had the worst fear is that they just they keep going keep going and eventually the unmasking it's like oh it's like that guy from nxt cool <laughs> like it needs to have some kind of like star centerpiece that's got these guys from nxt or whoever they are but i mean that's just one idea, right? I'm still kind of bullish on the Heyman thing because uh, he likes to shoot. But then again, Roman was doing the shoot. Maybe it's both of them. I don't know. So <laughs> anything's on the table. Uh, anything's on the table. Whatever you are thinking it might be, drop that down to about a two. And that's probably the actual answer of what it's going to be. Uh, let's move on to a different Lee, Brody Lee on TNT Dynamite, Saturday Night Dynamite this past uh, week, won the TNT title, killed Cody, squashed him, and then killed him, like literally killed him, like murdered him. He got to take it out on a stretcher. He's like, no, the stretcher's not. And then killed his wife and his family and as on, well. Yeah. Yes, on Anderson. Killed just anybody associated with the Nightmare family and Cody Rhodes, Brody Lee in the Dark Order, murdered. What'd you think of this, yes. Joseph? Well, no one can say that they haven't tried, right? I mean... Yeah. I think Brody, I remember saying it on here, the, the, you know that 29-man tag match they did where it was the Dark Order versus every wrestler in the world? Yes. Remember they did it a few weeks ago, Dre? Um, Brody looked so good in that match, and he seemed to be like, finding what his um, version of this persona should be to me, like just in terms of in ring performance. Because the promos and stuff, like people kind of, sometimes people do a bad job of like splitting those in half, right? He's a good promo, but he's not a good wrestler. And it's like, the really good characters are the same character in both arenas. It's the same thing. And I, I was happy with the way he was going with that. The Cody thing was a little bit alarming because I didn't think he was going to win the title. So I was thinking, how are they going to beat him here without just making him a complete another guy? And boy, did they avoid that. <laughs> I mean, they did the full the Rocky Free deal that we were talking about with Becky Lynch uh, before WrestleMania. Remember when everyone was saying, like, the champs overconfident. They lost their way a bit. They're going to get embarrassed. Um, they actually did that bit here, and I have to say, I thought Jim Ross was, for the last month, him steadily just disliking Cody has been so great. Like when he was the Prince of Pro Wrestling and all that stuff, and he's just like, ah, oh, what's he doing? And 
he got run over and arm was awesome selling it in the corner Brody now legitimately from that one like what was it 10 minutes of TV he now feels like unbeatable and especially because they protect him so much against Moxley they've really got him in a good spot now so the, the question is because I think we both love it the question is how do you follow up at all out is Cardona the right play what do you do here I'm interested I think Cardona is maybe the only play because who else is coming yeah. to Cody's rescue? They, they've they made it a point for months of Cody's no longer with the elite. And like that's why you didn't see Omega and the Bucks out there on, on Saturdays. Because like, he just doesn't have an association with them. Um, so you're not going to have them come to Cody's rescue and, and take on Brody Lee here. Uh, the Dustin, I don't. you can't do Brody and Dustin, right? Like, you just... That doesn't feel like a big yeah. match. In Cardona, at least, there, there's there's something fresh a little bit about that match. I'm sure they wrestled like a million times in WWE, but it, it feels a little bit fresher. It feels a little bit bigger than, than Dustin. No knock on Dustin, but yeah, I think Cardona's about the only play you can go with at, at All Out. I don't know where else you would... Who, who else would you put in that spot? You're right. My, my question here is, you just pointed out, right? So the Elite are no longer established for Cody. Was Cody supposed to be in the War Games match? Yeah. Blood and Guts? Yeah. I am... And I've been talking about this with some people, and we all kind of come to consensus. I've seen some takes about, like, this makes Cody a babyface again. I am almost certain this is going to be what actually turns him heel. Because I think now Cody will resent the fact that even though he's not a member of the Elite, like, really? Like, you guys have been fighting the Dark Order, and you wasn't even there then. Like, my wife's here... All of this happened. Arn Anderson got laid out, and they were nowhere to be found. I actually think that will be... And I think Cardona is the perfect bridge to that because he's definitely going to be the person that Cody turns on. Right? Like, poor, poor yeah, Cardona's going to try the his best. Role here. Yeah, Yeah, and I think that works great. I mean, I think that's definitely where we're headed eventually. Um, I thought AEW was a very good show. My, one of my favourite... I think this FTR hangman stuff is just tremendous. And now that the, sh- the pay-per-view is taking shape, we can kind of see where it's going, right? Like, we have to assume FTR is going to win the gauntlet tonight, you'd guess, right? And now that makes more sense what they're going for there. Um, but I think they've done a great job with that. And the way that they've added the little different edges to Omega, too. Like, it, it seems like Omega could be the guy that turns heel. So, all that has been interesting in that, to me, the card has been established a lot later than usual. That may not be true, but that's how it feels to me. I don't know about you. Like It feels like they're getting it all kind of in place later, but it doesn't feel like it has any less momentum. Thunder Rosa, too, was a, was a good addition. So I think everything is in place, but Brody Lee being like red hot again, I'm not going to lie. As much as I like him, I've kind of given up on him ever being that like red hot after where Harry started. The Elite Dark Order stuff, I, I like your idea that this is what, pretty much turns Cody because you're right. Like they had been feuding with the dark order. They did like all those multi-man matches with them. They clearly had plans for the dark order dating back to the phantom punches thing because they laid out the elite on that show, but then it didn't get over at all. And so they, they regrouped and just kind of pushed into the back burner a little bit until the big Brody, uh, until the, the Brody reveal. And then of course, you know, that, that helped boost them to a certain level. But even with Brody, you know, people saw it as the, the Vince McMahon kind of knockoff thing. They did they did well with him at, uh, I guess it was double or nothing, the Moxley match. 
-hmm. again, kind of faded into the background a little bit after that, but then elevated him like big time here. And this is, this is how, this is what I was talking about with Keith Lee. Like, this is how you elevate somebody. Cody takes nothing from this. Like he he can lose. People still love Cody, still care about him. It's fine. He is fine from this. And now you've made Brody and the dark order and, and really established them as i mean now you're you're i find them more credible than the inner circle right now the inner circle is just i don't know what they're doing with the inner circle i i do have to say because i know that when you do a professional wrestling podcast and you say only positive things about the AEW, (laughs) it is expected you'll be receiving a check in the next 24 i don't want to make this clear i think this i've got to say i think jericho and orange cassidy i think it sucks i i have totally lost when jericho was setting up that match and i was like Man, this is now just starting to feel like Chris is just like having fun. And that's cool, man. Like, have fun. But I have, the first match was good. The second match was not. And now we're, like, making it more gimmicky than ever. Like, I get it. And I'm sure there's an audience that thinks it's the best thing on the show. But I think it's the weak link of the show right now. I just, I'm way out on it. I don't know about you. What are you thinking about it? It, it feels so much like they're variety show that they and cody always talks about do a buffet give a little bit of everything like this feels like okay this is our comedy stuff now but the tone of it compared to the rest of the show feels very off because moxley and mjf is is pretty serious stuff cody elite stuff ftr all that stuff pretty serious stuff and then you've got jericho like jericho's just doing wwe bits like that's that's yeah. literally what he's doing. He's just doing WWE bits, and people think it's great because it's it's AEW and it's Chris Jericho. But really, all he's doing is stuff you would find weekly WWE programming doing. Yeah, like I think there's a way. I'm still not sold on the idea of Orange as like a full time top guy. Like I just don't know if I see it. But they're getting there with me. But there's a way to establish him when you're doing it with such comedy, like. At that point, it just defeats the object because he's not even really getting over to me at that point, right? Like, so how do how can you win this match, Jeremy? Can you help me on this? The all-out match is what's the stipulation oh, officially? I, it's a m- mimosa mayhem match. I have no idea what this is. I tweeted that it should be they just drink mimosas until somebody uh, tweets something they regret, and Jericho would easily win that because he doesn't regret anything he tweets. Yeah, or um, lose depending on how you look at it, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, I have no idea, but. We, we talked about this a few weeks ago when they were building up the first Jericho and, and Orange Cassidy match. We, we questioned him, like, all right, how do, you, how do you do this with Orange Cassidy? And I think by the time we got to that first match, we were both kind of sold on, like, yeah, he can, they got something yeah. with him. And yeah. now it feels like they've taken multiple steps back since then. It, but it feels like they still want it to be, like, a, an actual... Because Jericho will still do, like, heavy heat segments and stuff where the inner circle, like, beats him up. And then it's like, so am I supposed to take it seriously? Jericho is usually good at walking that line. Right, like against Moxley, he did a lot of silly stuff, but it was always clear this is like an important match for the title. With Orange, he's so much, there's so much less you can do with him as a character because that is the appeal of the character. That like, I feel like Chris needs to rein things in a bit. Like it just it feels all too silly to me. Again, I'm maybe there's people that think it's the best thing on the show, I don't know, but I do think that is the... Uh, the weak link right now have a pretty consistent i mean thunder rosa even gives the women's division some optimism right even she makes that even seem like okay maybe something there um is going to happen so just a little thing obviously the variety show deal the whole point of it is not all of it's going to be for me right so i guess that's what they're going for but it's worth noting to ensure that i don't get paid by tony khan (laughs) 
<laughs> the Thunder Rosa, it's good. You know, what's it going to lead to now? Like, if it's just a <laughs> one-off match, because yeah. I think we discussed this off the air. Like, all right, what are they going to do with Sheeta and All Out? They'll probably just book some number one contenders match. They win. They have a weak program. And then they do the match. Like, it's not even that. It's just Thunder Rosa comes in. She's the challenger. Mm-hmm. Like, all right, I love Thunder Rosa. I think it'll be a really good match. But, you know, where does it where does it go from there? Is Thunder Rosa sticking around? You you just crowned uh, Diamante and Ivelisse, the, these tag team champion tournament, deadly draw winners, whatever. Like, what are you doing with them? Baker is back at All Out. She's, she's going to wrestle. I think that's great news in that she can get in the ring and still do her, you know, outside the ring gimmick stuff. So I'm hoping after All Out, they've got a little bit more direction with Thing. If Thunder Rosa can stick around, if they have signed Ivelisse and Diamante, Baker being back in the ring, maybe you establish Swole a little bit more. She is going to be fine. So maybe they'll have a little bit more direction after All Out. They also, because they've got Thunder Rosa, they can delay like the... Vicky Guerrero yeah, has Nyla prepared Rose. Nyla for a rematch, yeah. right? Like they can do that. So, I mean, it's something. If I could give one suggestion for Tony as he's watching this, um, open with Sheeta and Thunder Rosa. If it's going to be a one-off match that's cold and just is going to be about the in-ring, give them the best opportunity possible to have the best match of the night, right? Give them a fresh slate, send them out there and give them like 15, 20 minutes. Because too often... With how they do these pay-per-view cards, that match is going to fall in a, in a bad spot. And even in the in the setting that they're at now, it's th- these they're still a thing, right? The matches where we kind of stop paying attention because we do it at home. That's just the way it is. Well, there's going to be like, audience remember, for this. Yeah, but I remember. Yeah, but yeah, no, <laughs> Sheeta and Nyla. I remember they they had like a really like knockdown dragout battle, but they were in the middle of a four-hour pay-per-view. Yeah, like stuck in there. So I would like for them to trust them with a big spot because if the women's division is important another champion coming to fight your champion should be a big deal, right? It should be a main event match in terms of what the promotion represents. So hopefully it gets treated that way because I agree with you. I think it could be very, very good. Yeah, uh, we will see what they do with that. I'm I'm cautiously optimistic with the AEW's women's division. We've yeah. we spoke about it. Neither of us are, are big fans of it. Maybe Maybe this is where they can finally turn things around. Let's get into the nostalgia. By the way, Tony is watching this. This is airing yes. right before Dynamite goes live on TNT. This is the pre-show for Dynamite. We're the lead-in for Dynamite tonight, essentially. They they needed Tony. a big they needed a big lead-in because there's no basketball tonight. So they're like, well, we'll have the distraction. They'll get us all the viewers, and we will. So you're welcome, Tony. Tony's in Gorilla watching this right now, having pre-drinks. <laughs> He's getting ready to go. Big night. Big night. <laughs> Uh, our nostalgia review we've got this is picked by me from TNA Destination X last rights match Sting against Abyss Joseph I thought this match was so much more than it actually was I don't know why this is like a 10 minute match that just Sting gets hit in the face with the candelabra is bleeding all over the place let me let me first explain the gimmick of this match it's it's a casket match but for some reason the casket has to lower from the the roof yeah and then like, go up again yeah and then goes up again like i so so that's the gimmick it's a casket match but the casket is suspended in air lowers down it comes into the middle of the ring and then you you put your opponent in the casket and then it raises back up um but yeah i thought this was like I thought maybe I'm thinking of a different last rights match. I thought or a different just match altogether. I thought when it got lowered, 
like abyss was underneath it and it was like going to crush him am i think was i thinking of something else i don't know because my memory of this match is just the visual when sting has like broken it you know when he's like on top of the the casket yeah it's just in hot it's like in, that was what i remember <laughs> I don't know what you're thinking of. I mean, they tried to kill Abyss a lot in TNA, right? And he's still it. I don't know how he survived it to be a SmackDown personality, but there's diff- that match probably exists, is what I'm telling you. I don't know what it is. When, but it probably when the exists. casket was lowering, I was like, oh, Abyss is going to be underneath this whole gimmick and he's going to be trapped underneath it. And then it, it didn't happen. I was very disappointed. And so was the crowd because yes. they, they, they checked out once this casket got lowered. Yeah, so... Here's what I would say about this for anyone that also watched it. Um, the video package is where the actual like insanity really lies. Wouldn't you agree? Like, the match itself is like, okay, fine. Well, I had no memory of any of this stuff that didn't this. <laughs> like he shot his dad. He was in prison. I thought James Mitchell was his dad. No? No, I, th- I thought James Mitchell was just like his handler. Okay. Whatever. Sting, <laughs> Sting goes in the impact zone. He's like, Abyss shot his dad when he was 12. Ah, and Abyss gets mad. <laughs> Apparently I'm supposed to cheer Sting. I don't know. Um, I have a quote from Don Wet, And he's the longest quote. This is sort of quote you would do a full article around. Okay? <laughs> As Sting is coming to the ring, Don West, and he says it with no excitement, which is a feat for Don. Like, he's just talking. He says, you know, you've got to admire Sting for his resilience. He's always believed in the monster Abyss. He's always believed that inside there was a human being. Sting has always believed that this guy can be saved, if you will. He really can, and he feels now that he's going to have to put him in the deathbed to die (laughs) so that he can be reborn. Stops. One fluent speech in that tone. And then Mike Tanay's just like, Sting's hitting him. He just carries on. He actually says that our baby face is the hero because he believes to bring Abyss back to life, he needs to kill him. In a professional wrestling match, yeah. in which you don't actually have to do anyone, you just to put them in a casket until they go. They kept, they Same. kept calling the casket the deathbed, which was amazing. Yes. I love this. I think all caskets should now be referred to as deathbed. So they have these, like tombstones are just like placed, yeah, on the eight. Like, they're not like done any kind of, you know, like the, the uh, Halloween Havoc set where they're all at the top of the ramp and you have like names on them and it looks kind of cool. No, 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 just flat, so it's just planted, sort of ringside. Like, yeah. they and you know it's doomed, because as soon as they start brawling, the impact zone says enough. Enough is enough. They go dead silent. <laughs> I thought, see, I thought they were into it a little bit during the early portions and the brawl. Like, maybe not impact zone into it, but they were into it enough. So I was like, all yeah. right, like, this is fine. Sting, like, when Sting gets hit with the candelabra, and is busted open the crowd is like stunned they're like oh my god and like that almost takes them out of it because right after that the casket starts lowering and then everyone's chanting fire russo and then like nobody's making any noise at all so in you know in fairness to to give one positive element to this i was amazed at how well sting was still moving super good in 2007 yeah right like he looked well which makes it almost worse that he was doing this match. Uh, bless him, he's bleeding everywhere. You are correct, Jeremy. The the deathbed being lower is <laughs> is the moment of which it turns dramatically, and they start fire Russo and Western today for like two seconds, which by their standards feels like an eternity. Just goes silent. Yeah. They just let it speak for itself, and then they carry on as they were. Um, and then St- he won't be buried, will he? Sting. He fights off. You know, he's being courageous. 
Um, how did you feel about them doing the, you know, the classic, this isn't a pin or submission match, so the heel must tap immediately when he's put a submission? Abyss yeah. doing that was an incredible <laughs> play. Having the monster Abyss be like, oh, give up, please, let me go. Amazing. I love that because like that's what it is. He gives up immediately thinking, and this, look, this is logical to me. Give up. Sting's a dumb baby face. He's, it's been proven throughout his whole career. Give yeah. up. Maybe he'll just release the hold instead of yes. keeping it on him longer. So I was fine with that. That must have been from the James Mitchell playbook. Right? <laughs> he has to highlight that play. Um, you are so. This is at this point the crowd's gone and they chant. They chant boring. Yeah. As Sting shatters a tombstone over Abyss's head with a baseball, <laughs> and then they're like, they, they chant boring. And they're like, okay, we'll stop for a minute. Wow, that was awesome. And like, they're so. Here's the thing. They throughout the whole match to me, it feels like they're trying to be nice to Sting, and then. Abyss chokes Lance Sting for the casket and they actually start a TNA chant. They cannot be helped. They can't be. They just called this match boring. They just demanded Russo be fired. And now they're back to TNA, TNA, because the casket, the deathbed, sorry, has been shattered. Uh, then we have Abyss setting up a tombstone, like an actual tombstone, not the Undertaker's finishing move, on two chairs. He's yeah. now like doing... And obviously he's the one who's turned that bum. There's no one in the world that Paul Sting was taking a superplex on some And you can tell, you can tell it, Abyss is taking that bump because it's like five feet away from the ropes. So like even if Abyss hits the superplex, he's going through that tombstone yes. regardless. And Sting's legs are just gonna hit the deathbed. So it wasn't even positioned well to where like it, to make you believe that anybody but Abyss wasn't going through this. One hundred percent. I mean, I'm with you, but I this was kind of underwhelming. Like, it was like, okay, fine. But I have one final uh, just moment of hilarious. Sting wins the match. He places a bit. Because as soon as you close it, it's done, right? Yeah. The elevating of the deathbed is just like <laughs> like post-match. I don't know what that is. And Mike today, his actual victory call when Sting closes it is, that's how you win it. Mike Tanay said, which I assume was him actually reaching the conclusion of, oh, that was the rules for this match. Because Sting closed it, the bell rings, and Mike Tanay's like, oh, that's how you win it. Got it. And West, he's, he's talking about being reborn and the die. Oh, it's just, it's, it's amazing that this era of TNA has so much nostalgia. And I'm not saying that's wrong. All, all wrestling has nostalgia with someone, right? But like, I do think it's adorable that people are like, Man, before Hogan and Bischoff came in, that was a competent, well-run wrestling promotion. <laughs> Meanwhile, his 50-year-old Sting just bleeding everywhere in an elevated casket match. Good lord. This is, it's not even like, for the most part, it's not even so bad it's good, this, right? It just kind of sucks. It's like, bless them, they're trying their best. It's nine minutes. Do what you want to do with it. It's nothing. <laughs> yeah, that's the best part. It's just, it's nine minutes, and it's chock full of action in those nine yes. minutes all right they fit in a lot of stuff in those nine minutes and it's so it's so wacky that i could not help but let when the deathbed gets lowered and they do the lights going down and the smoke coming up deal to make it like they make this seem like this is like the biggest thing in the world yes. like oh this is this is what happens you gotta lower the deathbed the deathbed by the way it, it's suspended it only gets lowered when it's called for Okay, yes. like you got to call for that. You got to think you got your opponent hurt so bad that you can put him in this. And Abyss thinks this three minutes into the match. He's like, yeah, and three minutes. He's good. Lower this deathbed. As it goes back up, Sting is so exhausted he can't get off of it. Right? Like he starts going up, <laughs> and the guy on the rig is like, "Geez, this is heavy enough." <laughs> Sting eventually sort of. And there's there's another great bit where Sting like he gets ready to jump off of it. 
when I say jump, I mean like step. Slides off of it. Yeah, and today's like, oh, he's coming. No, he, yeah, he's off, he's off. Like, he's, <laughs> today has no clue what they're going for. And the idea that Russo, like, the big moment that he'd envisioned was like, man, when when that thing comes down and we do the lights, it's going to be electric. And instead, they're just going, fire Russo, fire it. <laughs> There's something you said for that, isn't there? What gonna, a strange time. They're going really to chant, this is awesome and holy shit when this uh, yes. deathbed gets lowered. Abyss has uh, now ascended to the heavens in the deathbed. And uh, I don't know what the follow-up angle was to this. I just assume Abyss came back as Abyss and things were fine. I mean, he must have done some kind of babyface turn, right? Well, let's, He's see. let's see what, what uh -huh. we can find the follow-up here. This pay-per-view card was fascinating, by the way. It was like... Oh, I you don't had, know what was on this pay-per-view. You had the famous Scott Steiner-Kurt Angle match in which Kurt afterwards basically just says the match sucked and he's enraged <laughs> at how bad it was, while Scott looks a little bit confused. And the main event is a legit, like, kind of lost classic, Christian and Samoa which I'm going to watch at some point this week to cleanse okay. myself of what we watched here. <laughs> they were very excited about the main event because, like, right after Sting won and Abyss Ascended, is like, all right, let's go to the main event. <laughs> like, we got a TNA World Heavyweight title match coming up. Classic. There was, like, before the, the uh, match, they had Samoa Joe doing, like, a world title promo. Like, now it's my time to be NWA champion. It does a hard smash cut to Sting being like, you killed your dad. It's a wall. Hang on a second. What's going on here? All right. This is, this is from uh, Wikipedia, always reliable. At Destination X, Abyss again lost a Sting in a last rights match. On the March 22nd episode of Impact, Abyss teamed with Sting to face uh -huh. Christian Cage and AJ Styles. During the match, Mitchell returned with a woman who Abyss recognized. <laughs> Abyss left with Mitchell and the woman, leaving Sting to fight alone. The following week, during a meeting with Sting and James Mitchell, it was revealed that the woman was Abyss's mother and that oh, wow. she was the one who had actually shot Abyss's father, but Abyss took blame to protect his mother, with Mitchell threatening to call the police and tell them the truth. Didn't they just tell the truth right there? The police just weren't watching. Police are like, yeah, we're not watching, in fact. Wow. <laughs> with Mitchell That's threatening amazing. to call the police and tell them the truth, Abyss was forced to obey him. <laughs> Good lord. What a gimmick this is. Man, TNA was killing it before. Bro, before they came in, cutting edge, ahead of the game. Uh, so Abyss just lost this match. He was saved, so Sting did save him. He he ascended into the heavens, and the Abyss is like, I've seen the error of my ways, now we are tag team partners, until James Mitchell came yes. back with his mother. And then the whole storyline was revealed, and it could have been revealed to the cops had uh, James Mitchell just made one phone call, but he didn't. Instead, he used Abyss as his uh, personal slave or assistant. And Sting probably legitimately just like pivoted back to the world title program, <laughs> yeah. and no one was ever, no one ever spoke about it again. Jeremy, would you like to know my match next week? Uh, I'm very excited for what you have next week. Next week we are headed to Memphis, Tennessee. Oh boy! For Monday Night Raw, the 28th of August, 2017. If you've watched this show a lot, alarm bells should be ringing right now. As 2017? As the Raw Women's Champion, the legit boss Sasha Banks, takes on the former champion, Five Feet of Fury and the future sister Abigail Alexa Bliss, <laughs> in a famous Raw Women's title match, in a television main event that will live forever. Listen, man, I've mentioned this on the pod as like a, a rib many times. I'm not sure I've ever seen the match since like the first time it happened. <laughs> so that is our match. 
it should be a good match. If WWE's not going to book Alex Bliss, I will on the distraction. Okay, <laughs> so that is our match next week. And also because next week, as you know, Jeremy, this is a cheap plug for me. Next week is effectively our birthday edition of Distraction, isn't it? For me. Yes. A triumphant moment for me. So send your presents. Let's watch Alexa Bliss, Sasha Banks, and let's have fun, folks. Next week, coming at you. Buy Joseph a cameo. We will review it here on the air. Uh, buy him an Alexa Bliss cameo. That We can get more Alexa Bliss on this podcast. I think they're only $600 right now. Uh, that's okay. I assume everyone out watching this has money. You can buy Joseph a cameo for his birthday. Uh, as we pitched on Tuesday, you can buy the distraction a cameo. Any wrestler. You can have him say whatever you want. And we'll review it. We'll put it on the air, and and we will break down this cameo. This is our new line of work to just review cameos on the show. Yes. I told Sean this, by the way. He's like, that sounds like a great idea. <laughs> I was like, I'm pretty <laughs> sure we're just joking, and it's a bit, but he's he's for it. So we might be stuck doing this once or twice. <laughs> Look, man, they can't be longer than the films we review. No, really, no, right? Cameos are like two minutes or something. If you're lucky, from what I hear. So I don't know. <laughs> Especially if your note's going to be like, hey, these guys do a podcast. Fun. Like, I don't know what they're going to give us that <laughs> But are you excited for the next week's match of the week, Jeremy? Are you excited? I don't remember this took place. I feel like I've seen a lot of... You said 2017, and I'm just thinking, what happened in 2017? Yeah. Apparently, an Alexa Bliss and Sasha Banks match happened in 2017. Yes. Big time. Big time match that I may have mentioned before. There is definitely not a finish that's hilarious in this match. Uh, have fun with it. Uh, and then, event, and of course, when that's done, we'll return to our usual. Because I've noticed that this match has now just become like the Vince Russo sort of celebration almost, hasn't it? Yeah, more or less. <laughs> so we'll do something good next week, and then we'll return Maybe. to... it's my pick. I'll pick whatever I want. Might be sure. good, might be bad. No, I mean, I mean the, the, the Alexa Bliss match should be good, from okay. what I recall. Then you'll quickly right the wrongs and steady the shit, is what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. But yes, that is next week. Uh, do I have an article? Yeah, I don't. I Dominic. A... <laughs> I do not have any Dominic articles. Oh, I will be doing All Out articles. I have an open slot. If you want me to write about someone on All Out, the card is still kind of slim, but you can kind of guess who's going to be on it, right? So, Do you have who... Do you already have stuff planned? I have a Moxley feature, okay. pretty much. Um, and I'm, I'm looking at the FTR. I have a third slot that I am willing, willing to complete if I get a good suggestion. No silly business, please. No um, Vicky Guerrero, something like that. None of that, thank you. Jungle Boy. I want a Jungle Boy feature. I don't even know oh, if he's... I will definitely do a Jungle Boy feature, but he has to be on the pay-per-view card. I was <laughs> going to say Hangman Page, but if you don't FTR, you're kind of tying Hangman in there yeah. a little bit. Uh, but I do think Hangman Page... Look, last year at All Out, he was wrestling for the world title. And people... Like, that match wasn't that good. I think he was in a little over his head. This year, he's the biggest star on the show. Well, you're like doing a pitch now. You're yeah. like doing the themes. Of the art. Well, exactly. you write it, Jeremy. You should no, do this. I got, I got other places. things to do. It's just, I'll, I'll listen to 101 interviews and you could write one feature. <laughs> and switch, switch, switch do you want to do the SmackDown post show with Sean tomorrow? You want to actually watch SmackDown? <laughs> I don't even want to watch SmackDown, let alone review it. <laughs> Uh, no basketball talk today, folks. As uh, I'm sure many people know, the games were postponed yesterday and today, maybe even tomorrow as well. The players went on strike. 
I think anybody who listens to this podcast knows what our position are uh, with with everything going on and the racial injustice. As always, we are not the people to talk to about this or talk about this stuff. But listen to your black friends. Go follow people like Andrew Thompson, like uh, Phil Lindsay, both great writers, mm-hmm. wrestling writers, and, and you know they they understand this stuff a lot better than we do, and their voice is, is more important on this matter than ours is. Um, but yeah, hopefully you know if basketball is back. Great. It sounds like it will be. We'll, we'll return to bantering about basketball next week. But there are certainly more important matters in that regard. And God bless the players for just taking that stand and being like, you know, this is bullshit. We're not playing basketball. Because at the end of the day, like, people think these players, they're here for our entertainment and everything. And, look, we get our entertainment from them. Bless them. They're human beings at the end of the yep. day. And they're, they're not here to just play this basketball game no matter how much money – uh, they're being paid to to play. It, they're human beings. They they go through this stuff. You, I think you shared the uh, Maurice Harkless note that, and I retweeted yes. it as well. Like, like Maurice Harkless is a is a good role player, but at the end of the day, he's a basketball player. And at the end of the day, really, he's a black person. And when he drives, he gets pulled over for no reason, just like many black people. And just because he's a basketball player, he's not immune. To, to that kind of treatment. And it, it happens to more than just him. You sh- you hear a bunch of stories about that from celebrities who are black people who have these, have these stories. And then, you know, just be, they get off because they're celebrities, but like if they weren't, this is what they would be going through. And so just imagine what people are going through, the black people who are not celebrities, what they go through. We've seen what they go through on video and off video. It, it's very sad. So, uh, hopefully we can get back to bantering about basketball, but obviously bigger issues at hand than, than basketball and our sports entertainment right now. Yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, I think you've you've covered it. And, and like, I'm I'm not super big on providing like a distraction at times at ease, and that's why the, the players did the right thing, you know, because their platform is so large. I think our audience is such that they know we stand on this, and like I'm happy for us to do like an hour and fifteen minutes, whatever it is, of just like silliness entertainment, but. Do educate yourself. Don't bury your head in the sand on it, right? Like, this yes. is the thing. We're not ignoring it. But at the same time, like, I think our stance is clear, and I think it was, it was tremendous that the players are like, no, we're not going to be like the distraction. You can just ignore it. it. That's not the case. So, no, 100%. I mean, there's so many stories at your disposal that were shared just in, like, the last 24 hours. Like, read them. Care about them. Like, it's a real thing. Don't just, just ignore it. I mean, I'm all for... I don't need everyone's tweets to be about this matter. Like, if you want to look at other stuff, think about other stuff, feel free. But that doesn't mean you should ignore it because that's right. the worst thing you can do at this time. But yeah, I mean, you you covered it, man. But that's that's just where I'm at. Uh, we'll be back on Saturday with the TEW series. We have like two or three episodes left in this SummerSlam, this current world series that we are, that we are booking. Only a couple episodes left, folks. And then we'll be starting yeah. a, a new universe, so to speak. <laughs> which we have no actual plans for and <laughs> we've got to talk about. Uh, well, and then next next Tuesday, we're reviewing... Joseph, what movie are we reviewing next Tuesday? Oh, it's a Hulk Hogan film, right? Damn. Yeah, um, I forgot as well. <laughs> That's why I was hoping um, you would remember. <laughs> hang on a second, I've got it, I've got it. We reviewed um, River of Darkness this past Tuesday. You can go check that out. Don't watch the movie, watch our review. I think our review is fantastic. The, mo- the movie sucked. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, review is a strong word for it, <laughs> but we definitely talked about it. I have no idea what this film's called. 
All right, it's, Hulk Hogan plays a double role. I think that's all you need to know, okay? We'll be back on Tuesday talking that. Follow Joe on Twitter, at Joe Hobart 5 You can follow me, at Jeremy Lambert 88 Secret Agent Club, Jeremy. Secret, Secret Agent, Agent Club. Agent Club. There you go. All right, we'll review that on Tuesday. Uh, subscribe to Fightful Select. Leave a thumbs up on this video. It helps us out. If you're listening on iTunes, leave us a, a five-star review. Say nice things. Say you left us a review just for the distraction. You don't care about the list in your boy, whatever that is. The the, the review shows that they do. Denise, uh, you, can, you can like the Friday night reviews. Those are good. But, you know, leave five stars. Be like, only left this uh, five-star review for the distraction. Tell Sean, make the point god and the distraction t-shirts. Like, you know, we're business people right now. Get a, yes. get, use the hashtag, the distraction. We'll talk to everybody on Saturday with the TW series. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.